This morning, as we celebrate communion, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 26, in verse 26, where the meat of our message will come from this morning. Matthew, chapter 26, verse 26, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible this morning, just four short verses of Scripture in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. And the Bible says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Verse 29, But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Today, I want to speak to you under the topic, Grateful for Grace. Grateful for Grace. I was all alone in the seminary chapel, which is kind of like a miniature version of this church. Typically, when I found myself in the seminary chapel, it was for a worship service at midweek like this. But this time I was there in the seminary chapel by myself doing some homework. And here was the homework as we were taking our biblical uh, spirituality class. Our homework was to pray. Sounds good, sounds nice, sounds like something we all do all the time. Except this was how we were supposed to pray. Typically, when I pray, I talk to Jesus. I tell him what's going on in my heart. And then to listen to him speak to me, I pick up the Bible, I go to a passage of scripture, and I read it. And as, the Bible, as I read the Bible, thoughts come to my mind that I believe are inspired by God. That's typically what I do when I pray to hear God's voice. But this was the homework assignment. He wants us to pray and to be quiet in the presence of God and simply ask God to speak to us as we sit silent in privacy. And so I do that in the seminary chapel, all alone, two minutes go by, I don't hear anything. Five minutes go by, still nothing. Seven minutes go by, silence. 10 minutes go by, still praying, still open, but I don't hear anything. But not too long after that, I'm telling you, God spoke to me through that still small voice. Now, I know what you must be thinking because I think the same thing whenever I hear someone tell me that God spoke to them. Because I grew up in North America, I was taught to be a little more skeptical. I think, yeah, right, God spoke to you. I mean, most of the time when I hear that someone has heard God speak to them in the context of how I grew up, it's some random single man approaching a beautiful single woman and saying, God told me you're going to be my wife. And I like the best response to that that a young lady should give. Well, 
when God tells me that, then I will know that what you heard is true. When I hear that someone says that God spoke to them, I'm a a little skeptical because when you work for the church, sometimes you see that that phrase can be used to, how do I say, gain the upper hand in decision-making. Because if God spoke to you and God said this, then who are we to disagree? And sometimes when I hear people say that God spoke to them, I am a little skeptical because I've seen people impose their own desires and own wishes onto God telling them something. God spoke to me, and so I bought a brand new vehicle, even though I can barely afford to pay my rent. And so there are things and times when I hear people say, God spoke to me, that I'm a bit skeptical. So if you're feeling that way, I understand. But I'm telling you, in that seminary chapel, when I was sitting there by myself, God really did speak to me. And this is what he said. Matthew? I'm going to take something away from you and it's going to hurt. As clear as day, Matthew, I'm going to take something away from you and it's going to hurt. I remember leaving that seminary chapel, walking home to Maplewood Drive, going to my wife and telling her, this is what I heard. God spoke to me and we were both kind of freaked out. But still in the back of my mind, I was a little skeptical. Maybe I just made it up. Until about a month later, something happened that I know that God really did speak to me. In our passage this morning, we are reminded of the grace of God. That the grace of God came with a costly price to Jesus, even though it's free for you and I. And our passage this morning encourages us to be grateful, to give thanks for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for you and I. In fact, the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. And so as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we want to remind ourselves to appreciate, to be grateful for the costly sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that he broke his body on our behalf. He poured out his blood on our behalf. And if it were not for the grace of God, we would have no chance at eternal life. And typically when we think of the grace of God, we think of things that God gives to us or ways that God blesses us. And we should. That should be the first thing that comes to our mind. For grace is undeserved favor. Grace, for you who are little and big, grace is a gift that God gives to us that we don't deserve. Grace is something that gives us a chance second and third and fourth and fifth, sixth, forever. Grace is unlimited and unmerited and unearned. And typically when we think of grace, we think of things that God gives us, and and we should. In our passage this morning, it encourages us to reflect and be grateful for the grace that God has given us in the past. For Jesus, in verse 28, tells us that with his blood, he's establishing a new covenant. And for those of us who are Bible students, which many of us here are, if there is a new covenant, we know that there was an old covenant. That God's grace is not just an innovative source that came out in Jesus, but from the foundations of the world, Jesus had grace in mind. 
that in the old covenant, they would slay a Passover lamb for the grace of God. And in the new covenant, the lamb of God was slain. In the old covenant, God gave his grace through the law when he etched on tablets of stone the Ten Commandments and the law of Moses on pieces of paper. But in the new covenant, God gives his grace as he etches on our hearts the law of God. And he etches the, the, moral, uh, the mor moral will of God in people and places all over the world. Amen. So God's grace is something we should be grateful for, for what has taken place in our past. How many of you, as you think over your life today, are here today only by the grace of God? That if you look and you examine the things that you've done in your past and the decisions that you've made and the mistakes that you've purposely done, can say, I am only here today because of the grace of God. I know that's me. That he picked you up, he turned you around, and he set your feet on higher ground because you are where you are today because of the grace of God that he's given you in the past. Our passage this morning reminds us to be grateful for the grace of Jesus Christ in our past. But the passage also reminds us to be grateful for the grace of Jesus in our present. For the Bible says that as Jesus was with his disciples in that last supper, he was doing things that each of us get to enjoy every single day. He was eating. Amen. He was drinking. He was talking. He was blessing. They even were singing. And it reminds us that we should be grateful for the grace of God, not only in the past, but in the present. Every single day, there are things in our life that we can be grateful for the food on our plate, the clothing on our back, the roof over our heads. There are so many things that God has given us and blessed us with that we can be grateful for. That even as Christians, as we experience sorrow, there is a joy that cannot be taken away from us. That as Christians, even though we experience anxiety, there is a peace of God that transcends all understanding. And so our passage this morning reminds us to be grateful for the grace of God in our past and in our present, not just with the physical things, but with the spiritual things. Because Jesus right now is in the heavenly sanctuary and he's interceding on your and mine behalf. That Jesus is in his father's house preparing a place for us so that where he is, we may be also. That Jesus is in the most holy place performing a work of judgment not to keep us out of heaven, but so that we can get into heaven. And we need to be, appreciate the grace of God in the present and in the past. And our passage this morning tells us that we should also appreciate the grace of God in the future. For Jesus says as he drinks that fruit of the vine, that he would not drink it again until the day when it was new in his father's kingdom. That Jesus, we can be grateful for his grace for the past, for the present, and for the future. And we should be doubly grateful for the grace that will come in the future. Because there is coming a time when there will be no more sorrow. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more pain for the former things have passed away. 
There's coming a time when we will walk on streets of gold and there will be no more sun for Jesus himself will be the light. And that as we look to Jesus on the throne room of God, we will see the river coming through the streets of the city. And on the sides of that river will be the tree of life with their different fruits in season. And on that tree, there will be the, the, the leaves for the healing of the nations so that every sorrow and suffering and trial that we've had will be no more. John, the revelation, uh, revelator said, there's gonna be no more sea. That means there's gonna be no separation between those who we've lost and loved will be re reunited. That there's coming a time very soon when Jesus comes to take us to be with him. And there is a grace that we should be grateful for, for our future. We need to be grateful for the grace of God in our past, in our present, and in our future. We serve a God who was, who is, and is to come. We serve a God who is with us yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And our communion supper reminds us to be grateful for the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, that he broke his body, that he poured out his blood so that we could have life eternal. But there's something about this passage that got my attention. Because before Jesus gave and he blessed, he also took and he broke. That before Jesus gave the cup to his disciples, he took the cup to himself. And it reminds me that yes, we can be grateful for the things that God gives us, but we should also be grateful for the times through God's grace that he takes things away. That as children, we are grateful for the gifts that God gives us, the blessings and, and, and the thanksgiving of the material things that we get. And we should be grateful for the things that God gives us. But our passage invites us to go a little deeper, to be grateful for the grace of God that takes away. So I thought I had heard the voice of God, remember? And a month later, on Friday night, my wife started to have stomach pain in her abdomen. And uh, because I'm not the most sensitive person in the world, uh, and I, because we had moved to America and I'm used to being in Canada, I said, oh honey, your stomach pain is not a whole lot. It's just gas. Let's not go to the doctor. Um, and so I went to sleep that Friday night and I had a good sleep. And I woke up, a happy Sabbath, it was great for me. And I look over in the bed and my wife had been up all night writhing in pain because of something in her stomach. And so we go into our car and we go to the urgent care. And for those of you who work in healthcare, you know that whenever you go to urgent care with a stomach issue, they move you right over to the emergency room because it's a serious issue. And so as we went into the emergency room, the doctor came in and did some tests on my wife, Amy. And you know what? He came back with actually very good news. He told us, the test came in, Amy, you're pregnant. And we were so happy. Um, any of you who have children, you know that feeling when you want them, uh, how great it is. 
It's like your heart was placed into a rocket ship and it was blasted off into the moon. That's how happy we were. That's how excited we were. But then we remembered where we were. We were in the hospital. And we remembered why we were there. Amy was having pain. And so the doctors did some more tests. They did an ultrasound. And after a little bit of time, they came back and they explained to us that our, my wife was having an ectopic pregnancy, which means that the baby and fetus was growing in a place that it wasn't viable. And so they gave us a choice. You're not always left with two good choices. Sometimes you're left with two bad choices. The first choice was either to get a chemical shot so that the fetus could be passed through uh, chemically or to go immediately into surgery and have uh, it cut out. And when you are like me and you personally believe that life begins at conception, this is a very difficult circumstance to find yourself in. It's very uh, hard. And so we decided, well, what does the doctor recommend? And they said, well, you should get the, the chemical shot. It's cheaper, it'll pass through, and by tomorrow you'll feel okay. So we do that with grief and with sorrow. And we go home, and that night, Amy tries to go to sleep, but she doesn't get any better. One day goes by, she's still feeling in pain. Two days go by, three days go by, four days she's writhing in pain and she finally gets an appointment with her OB and as soon as she walks into the door, the doctor puts her hand on her stomach and says, oh dear, you have a belly full of blood. We need to ship you into the emergency room and have surgery on you right away. So this has come in a big surprise because we thought it had been handled with and she rushes into the emergency room and I'm there waiting. I know it was harder for her than it was for me, but I'm waiting. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking of what God told me. I'm going to take something away from you, and it's going to hurt. And as I'm waiting, I'm praying, God, please don't take away my wife too. Because it was hard. And those of you who have had miscarriages know losing a child in any way is painful. It's a, it's, a, it's a death. And I'm there praying, God, please don't take my wife away too. And the surgery goes through, and I get good news. She's alive. She's okay. But Amy and I were left scarred from that. It's a difficult thing when you deal with the loss and also the, the misdiagnosis and things like that. It was a difficult thing. And theologically, I can tell you many reasons why God allows pain and when God allows trials to happen. Theologically, I could tell you that. But I like what my wife said about it the best because it's very practical. She said, listen, sometimes God takes things away so that he can give something else. And if we were to have that child who was lost, our second child, Aiden, who was alive, would have never existed. And so we have to trust God's wisdom that he allowed this one to go so that we could get the other one now. And in our passage this morning, 
we are reminded to be grateful for the grace of God, for the blessings that God gives us in our past, in our present, in our future. But we also need to be grateful for the times in our life that God takes away and that God breaks. We have to be grateful for the times when he allows that relationship to break up so that he can give you a better marriage in the future. We have to be grateful for the times that we allow, that God allows our, our jobs or our careers to be ruined so that we can enter our calling. We have to be grateful for the times that, that God allows us to encounter trials of various kinds and persecution that removes our sin so that we can receive the righteousness of Christ. And so I'm still growing, I'm still learning, but I want to invite you to be grateful for the grace of God in your life. Not just for the good, because there is so many good things to be grateful for, but for the things that God takes away as well, for the things that God allows to break in our life. And my hope and prayer for you is that as we mature as disciples of Jesus, we will be like Job, who could say, whether the Lord gives or the Lord takes away, praise be the name of the Lord. Let's pray together. God, we're so grateful that you came and died on the cross for us. And Lord, we're not just grateful for the good things that you permit to happen in our lives. We're thankful for those. There are many. But Lord, we know what the enemy means for evil, you use for good. And so we're grateful for the bad things that you allow us to happen in our life as well. And I ask, Lord, that you would give us a sense of maturity, that you know the end from the beginning, and that your ultimate goal is to get us to heaven. And so, Lord, give us an appreciation, not just for the good, but for the times you take and break as well. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.